Hey, my name's Ruben, the lead pastor here at Crossroads Church. Welcome to our podcast, where you can catch up on all the messages that you might have missed, or you might want to hear again. We hope you enjoy this message. We hope it challenges you. We hope it encourages you. And we hope ultimately that it would draw you closer to Jesus. Enjoy. Yes, Lord, you are so good. And it is so good to be with you tonight. Lord, as we consider what it looks like for us to be a part of your plan tonight, I pray we would keep your goodness at the center of everything we consider, that we would remember that's who you are. That's why you want what you want for us. That's why you sent your son to die for us, because you are so good. And so we're here for you, Lord. We're here to be with you tonight. We ask that you would speak to us, that you would guide us, that you would use the words I share, Lord, that my words be your words, and that you would just be amongst of this time in your word, Lord. We love you and we thank you that you love us. And we pray these things in your precious name. Amen. Amen. You guys can grab a seat. Hey, it's great to be with you tonight. Um, my name's Isaac. I'm one of the, the pastors here at Crossroads. And um, if you were with us last week, then you might have noticed I made sure to wear some super blue snazzy shoes. Um, and if you weren't here with um, us and you have no idea what I'm talking about, then hey, all of our sermons um, from this series can be found on our YouTube channel, on Spotify, and on Apple Podcasts, uh, where Craig talks a little bit about these uh, about needing some blue snazzy shoes. Um, I don't know if vans are snazzy, but they're about as snazzy as I get. And, um, you know, God, he works in some mysterious ways because um, me and Lizzie were having a chat the other week and she was like, hey, I've got some blue vans I never wear. Do you want them? And I was like, yeah, sure. And then Craig got up and spoke about wearing blue shoes and I was like, Lizzie, can I grab those shoes from you? So um, the Lord provided. Um, hey, but tonight we're going to be continuing in our series going through the book of Ephesians called For this reason. And often in the series so far, we have kicked off the message by reading the passage. But I didn't really feel like um, I could do that tonight because, um, without saying something first, because our passage is actually a little bit clunky. It's got a it's sort of a bit of a, a rough start, and so I thought I should probably mention something first. You see, in, a, in our passage tonight, Paul will briefly start a thought in verse 1. And then in verse 2, transition into like a sub-point, a, a bit of a different thought, which will make up most of what we focus on tonight. And what he has to say is super profound, but also a little jarring in the way that it's presented. Uh, but if you're up for a bit of a challenge of working um, through it with me tonight, I think there's going to be some valuable takeaways. So let's check it out. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 1, and the verses will be on the screen too if you want to follow along. But this is what it says. It says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. 
I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power. Although I am the least of all of the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this ministry, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. So Paul, he continues writing to the Ephesian church here in the book of Ephesians. And did you catch that clunky transition between verse 1 and 2? For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. It doesn't really flow that nicely, right? And that's not me uh, misreading it. Uh, I haven't copied and pasted it incorrectly. That's how Paul wrote this section. And so today's uh, passage is essentially a profound side bit. It's like a valuable tangent. Paul starts a thought, but then he decides that there's something else that needs to be said before he can continue that thought. And our passage tonight is that side thought. Uh, And I don't know about you, but... um, When my thoughts drift and I go off on tangents, are they usually not anything of actual importance like what Paul has to say here? In fact, here's a bit of a side thought I was having just the other day. When a food is made into a creamy soup, um, why does the word cream sometimes come before the ingredient used, like cream of mushroom or cream of corn or cream of chicken? I think that's just the unnecessary use of an extra word to make something sound more fancy, right? Creamy mushroom would be fine, or just creamy chicken. It makes more sense to me. So I reckon we should just stop trying to make things sound fancier than they are, especially, you know, when they come in like a 99-cent packet, um, and just call them what they they should be called, creamy chicken, creamy mushroom. That'd be fine with me. Another one of those sorts of things for me is um, eggs benedict, right? It should be benedict eggs. Like if I wanted to get a hot chocolate, I don't say, I'll have a chocolate hot, thanks, right? Uh, So I think to be consistent, they should be called Benedict eggs. In fact, anytime I ever look at a menu and I see eggs Benedict, um, I never order them because I just can't stand the name. I just just can't bring myself to do it. Um, And so those are usually the kind of tangents I take um, when I go on one. But Paul, he takes a tangent and he gives us a whole passage worth of content to work through. And so Paul, he will pick up his initial thought from verse 1 in verse 14, which we'll dive into next week. Uh, But tonight we're hanging out in this fantastic secondary thought, this profound side bit where Paul dives deeper into what it looks like for us to be a part of God's plan. But to be honest, his initial introduction to this plan doesn't really come across as an exciting or encouraging one. You know, the, the statement that caused him to go on a tangent was, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus. You know, I I don't know about you, but if I was trying to encourage some believers in their faith and in their walk with Jesus, referring to myself as a prisoner of Christ probably wouldn't be the first description that would come to mind for me. My initial inclination would be to emphasize the freedom that we have in Christ. And it is true that when we believe that Jesus died and resurrected for us, uh, that we are made free from sin. The Bible makes that really clear and talks about it regularly. But why are we free from sin? 
Well, because we have surrendered our lives to a better way. And some of those scriptures that are up there on the screen in reference to freedom also make that act of surrender clear in other parts of the very same chapters. Galatians 5.1, for example, says, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery and the law. But in verse 13 of that very same chapter, um, the author goes on to say, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. And so, yes, you have been made free, but you are then meant to use that freedom to serve others. Or 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Lord, uh, the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But in the very next verse, it goes on to say, So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Yes, we are free because God's Spirit has set us free, but what does that freedom look like? Well, it looks like becoming more and more like Jesus. You know, John also says in John 8, 36, he says, So if the Son has set you free, then you are truly free. But just a few verses prior in that same chapter, um, it says um, this, it says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so it's by committing to following Jesus, remaining faithful to his teachings, that you will find freedom. Even in our passage tonight, right, it's in reverse. Paul talks about being a prisoner to Christ, but then he wraps up the thought by saying we can come to the Lord in freedom and in confidence. You see, freedom is rarely ever talked about in the New Testament without talking about what you have been freed up to do instead of sin. We've been freed from sin to live a better way. And so Paul is making it really clear right from the start that engaging in God's plan first requires surrender to God. Paul is willing to call himself a prisoner of Christ because he understands that his life is no longer his own. He has surrendered everything for the sake of others and the furtherment of the good news of Jesus. That he hasn't been freed from sin to do whatever he wants, but to instead commit his life to following God. And he's willing to do whatever the Holy Spirit asks him to do, go wherever the Holy Spirit asks him to go, um, because his life is no longer his own. He is a prisoner in the sense that he has locked himself into doing things God's way. But it's a good way. And so Paul is happy to identify as that right to say, I am a prisoner of that way because he thinks it's nothing but good things. And so as followers of Jesus, our lives are not meant to be lived for ourselves. We are called to be prisoners of Christ, which means surrendering our plans and desires and ambitions to God so that we can be a part of his plan instead of our own. Which is what? What is God's plan? Well, Paul believes that he was chosen to make known the good news of Jesus to everyone, both Jews and Gentiles. And Craig talked about that last week if you were with us. So that now, through the church, which is us, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Which I know that sounds sort of abstract and a bit unclear. Phrasing like this around what our purpose is as the church isn't used in many other places in the Bible. And so I'd love for us to just stop for a moment and have a think. What do you think that means? If that is our purpose as the church, what does it mean 
for us to make the manifold wisdom of God known to the rulers and authorities of the heavenly realms. So just stop for a moment, have a chat to the person next to you. What do you think that means? What do you think that's all about? Have a yarn, and then we'll come back together in a moment. Cool. So as I said, sort of unusual wording, right? Like this phrasing isn't used in the Bible very often. It's one of the only times. And, you know, even uh, Peter, he writes at one point, he's like the Apostle Paul's writings are great, but sometimes they're hard to understand. And he's probably thinking of moments like this. And so I believe all Paul is saying is that our purpose as the church and as individuals is that anytime we interact with God or live how he has called us to live, it goes beyond the here and now. It's eternal. It's spiritual. It's a declaration to the enemy that you have lost. Sin will not be the end of us. We are free. One of my Bible commentaries put it like this. It said, the heavenly rulers and authorities see how God has triumphed over sin to his own glory. They see how he has sent heaven's best for earth's worst. They see how he has redeemed his enemies at enormous cost, conquered them by love, and prepared them as a bride for his son. They see how he has blessed them with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies. And they see that through the work of the Lord Jesus on the cross, more glory has come to God and more blessing has come to believing Jews and Gentiles than if sin had never been allowed to enter. God has been vindicated. Christ has been exalted. Satan has been defeated. And the church has been enthroned in Christ to share his glory. You see, it was always God's plan to bring us back to him. Jews and Gentiles alike, and any time we love God or others in any way, whether through song or prayer or reading His Word or helping someone in need or sharing the gospel, the impact of that goes beyond what we can even see, declaring to the heavenly host that the plan is working and God is renewing lives. 
That's why God's wisdom is manifold, because it affects so many different parts of our lives, and we respond to it in so many ways. There are so many ways that we declare that God's wisdom um, is good, and we declare it to the heavenly realms. We're doing it right now as we gather together, and we hear from His Word, and we worship Him and praise Him. We'll be doing it when we leave this place, and we love others like God has asked us to. You'll be lo- even doing it if you're just listening to some worship music in the car and praising Him. You know, there are so many ways to engage in God's plan. But Jesus summarizes it into two simple things in Mark 12. Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is one the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. And so anytime we are doing either of those things, which comes in a variety of different ways, we are engaging in God's plan. That's what it looks like for us to be a part of God's plan. That's what it looks like for us to make God's manifold wisdom known to the heavenly rulers and authority. Uh, No other thing in life will give us purpose that is eternal, like loving God and loving others will. We are part of something so much bigger than ourselves. We are part of God's eternal plan. And so we have a mission. We have a calling and a purpose that transcends the temporal and reaches into the eternal. It doesn't matter what career path you go down, how much money you make, what you choose to study, whether you're married or single, what you've been through in the past. This is our purpose. In all ages and stages, highs and lows and the decisions that we make, this is what we do. We surrender our plans, desires, and ambitions to God to free ourselves up to love God and love others. We don't fit loving God and loving others into our lives. Our lives revolve around loving God and loving others. That's who we are. It's what we do. And it might be to do that in our current career or responsibilities. It might be to do that in the field that we're studying for. It might be to do that ourselves or with a spouse. Or it may not be any of those things, and that's okay. We're just up for whatever and and whenever. We've put it into God's hands, and we'll do whatever He asks us to do, and we'll go wherever He asks us to go. And if that's unclear, then we'll just keep doing it right where we're at right now, or somewhere, just anywhere at all. And at Crossroads, we summarize living out this plan as this, to be a community of people fully committed to following Jesus, actively sharing His love, and serving others. It's a statement that encompasses all those various aspects of our involvement in God's plan. And Paul, he focuses his involve, on his involvement in the plan uh, down to revealing the mystery of God, which is that the good news of Jesus defeating death is good news for absolutely everyone. By sharing that good news, Paul is loving God and loving others. And so though there are many ways that we can love God and love others, like worship, prayer, the Word, helping others, teaching, and more, because of the focus of tonight's passage, I want us to hone in on sharing the good news of Jesus with others and how that is one of the valuable ways we live out God's plan. Because I believe Paul's special task to reveal the mystery of the gospel has now been passed down to us. You see, in the early days of the church, they were still trying to figure out what Jesus dying for everyone's sin meant in terms of how far this went. Jesus had given the Great Commission and said, go and make disciples of all nations. Uh, But what did that practically look like? 
as Craig talked about last week, most of the initial followers of Jesus were Jewish, and Jesus was the Savior the Jewish people were looking for and had waited for for centuries. So they hadn't fully grasped um, how this good news worked in terms of being for everyone, even those who weren't Jewish. And so God used Paul to help make that clear. But that is no longer a mystery. The majority of us in that in this room are evidence of that because I personally am not Jewish and I live in a little country in the far reaches of the earth, right? So it's clear that the earlier followers of Jesus got it. They grasped it because I wouldn't know about the good news if they hadn't. And so Paul did his job. He made that message clear. It was no longer a mystery. And so we now carry that task on and share the good news of Jesus with people in our lives. Because of the good news of Jesus, we are a part of the plan. And for that reason, we make that good news known to others. And man, what an absolute privilege it is that we get to do that. You know, the mystery revealed to us is something that followers of God eagerly waited for and dreamed of for thousands of years. It was something that was promised to them through prophets such as Ezekiel, um, that one day the Spirit would come and be with them. And here we are living in that reality through the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. Followers of God in the Old Testament could not wait for the day when the Savior would come. They could not wait for the time where the Spirit of God would indwell all followers of Him. And we live in that very day, empowered by the Holy Spirit to go and share the good news of Jesus with everyone and anyone. Your life is the story that Old Testament followers of God wanted for themselves. Your task and purpose is the culmination of thousands of years of history. And what a privilege it is for us to get to live that out. Because of the good news of Jesus, we are part of the plan. And so we make that good news known. Because when we receive God's grace, it's hard for us to not then do something about it. And so we can respond to loving God and loving others in so many ways. But we also just can't help ourselves in extending that grace to others by sharing the good news of Jesus. And I believe that because of what Paul says in verse 2. He says, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. You know, what does what does Paul mean by that? Because isn't grace something we just receive from God? This sounds more like Paul is going to do something with God's grace, right? He's extending it, he's he's administering it to others. Um, so it's not something that he's just passively receiving. But you see, I think God's grace is more than just about forgiveness. It also empowers us. It's about God working in us and through us to accomplish things far beyond our own abilities. It's hard to just sit around and wait for heaven when we have received God's grace because God's grace empowers us to extend that grace to others. Paul had received God's grace and he was now extending it to the Ephesians. Paul is doing the very thing that he's telling the Ephesians that God has included us in his plan to do. He's making the manifold wisdom of God known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms as he teaches the Ephesians and reminds them of the good news of Jesus. And so God is calling us to be actively involved in his plan. So what might that look like for us? What might that look like for you? If living out God's plan is to be loving God and loving others, which is a lot of things, and we won't be able to cover them all tonight, but since tonight's passage specifically hones in on loving others by sharing the good news of Jesus with them, how could we do that? What might it look like? Well, let's just start somewhere simple. We'll start somewhere simple. 
because, you know, sharing the good news of Jesus could come again in many different forms. And in my Connect group on Thursday night, we discussed this and the ways that we've shared the gospel and what's worked for us and what's not worked and that sort of thing. And so there's many ways we could share the good news of Jesus, but let's just start somewhere simple. And it could be as simple as inviting people into your life. We have been invited to be a part of God's plan, and it is pretty spectacular. And the fact that when we engage in God's plan, we are declaring the wisdom of God to the heavenly realms. It's an eternal purpose, but the execution of that plan can be so simple. We don't have to be overwhelmed by the opportunity, by the responsibility, because often it can just come in the form of building a relationship and letting the Holy Spirit do the rest. When I reflect on the opportunities I've had to walk alongside people as they come to know Jesus over the last few years, many of them have been relational-based. It has just been spending some intentional time with someone week after week, and each time we meet up, it's clear that the Holy Spirit has been working in their life, and they're getting to know Him more and more, even outside of us getting together and, and catching up, and even before they make a decision to follow God. And that, that doesn't mean that I've been avoiding having spiritual conversations with them because there have been plenty. It's just more we just talk about it as it comes up naturally or as the Holy Spirit prompts those conversations. And if there's a need that I can meet, you know, whether through prayer or helping out with a job on the weekend or financially in some way, I try to meet that need showing the love of Christ and often having good conversations about God in those moments. And then a time just comes where the Holy Spirit's working on their life and they just get it. And it clicks, and they're ready to become a follower of Jesus. I've personally found that if I just build a relationship with someone, the Holy Spirit then does the guiding and leading of that person to Him. And so as a person who is actively involved in God's plan, for you it could be as simple as inviting a coworker over for dinner or a classmate over, and then just inviting them over again and again, and slowly over time building a relationship with them. It could be inviting a close friend who isn't a follower of Jesus to a connect group dinner one night. Again, if I try whittling down further the opportunities I've had to walk alongside people as they come to know Jesus, those moments I was thinking of have often come in the form of a connect group. And each week as we gather together, it's so clear that God was just revealing himself more and more to those individuals and the conversations we have in connect group then just deepen that reality for those people. And so invite a friend to your connect group. And if you aren't in one or you would like to start one, just go to the website, crossroads.co.nz, or you can grab one of the little green slips in the back of the chair. You can tick, I'd like to join a connect group, and drop it in the black box at the back. Uh, but they are so valuable. They're a great way. They're a great um, doorway into church community. Some people might not feel comfortable walking in here, but they might be comfortable going to someone's home. And so I'd encourage that. Um, in fact, I, I visited a connect group just this past uh, Wednesday, and we discussed the passage that we're looking at tonight. And I then went home and stayed up late making adjustments to my sermon based on what we discussed because there was some valuable stuff in there that I was like, man, we can't leave that out. We've got to talk about it. So do that. Um, invite somebody to a connect group. Or another option could be inviting a, a family member or a friend or a co-worker to an event like the Love Without Measure concert next Saturday night. I think it's a great way to introduce people to church community as the heart of Jesus is clearly a part of the night, but it's not as overt as, say, like a Sunday service. And so that could be a good place as well, just to build connection and build relationship with people. Often people who aren't followers of Jesus are real keen to be involved in good causes, right? And raising funds for David Friend is likely something they would be happy to get behind. You know, though God's plan is grand and covers a multitude of areas, tonight let's just focus in on one. 
sharing the good news of Jesus. And the execution of that one thing can be so simple. So let's just start there and ask ourselves, who in my life doesn't know Jesus that I could begin to build a relationship with? If you begin to consider that question and then act on it, you will be actively engaging in God's plan. And don't worry about things like how long it takes or, you know, what words to say. We can trust that the Holy Spirit will take care of those aspects. We just got to begin building a relationship. And look, there may be times where you feel prompted to share the gospel with a complete stranger. And if you feel that, then then do that because those moments do happen. Um, but let's just start somewhere. And I think this is a good place to start. And not too long from now is our next uh, Saturday of the Way training on the 22nd of July, which is something we started earlier this year to equip ourselves better in outreach and discipleship with four training days spread throughout the year. And in our times together for the rest of the Way training, we will be spending a lot of time talking about what it looks like to share the good news of Jesus naturally and organically with people and how to disciple them. And so if you'd like to come along, um, if you've already registered because you registered for the first one, then you're all good. Just, you're coming. But if you didn't get to come to the first one and you'd like to come to the second, let me know and, and I'll add you in. And I'll send you, to the, I'll send you the video from the first Saturday so that you can get caught up before we get together on the 22nd. Um, but then that will be the cutoff because the momentum from the previous Saturdays will be really important for the fourth Saturday and the, uh, the third and the fourth Saturday. So uh, make sure you come to this one if you do want to come along. Um, you can just email me, Isaac at Crossroads.co.nz, or come find me after the service, and uh, you'll be equipped in many of the ways that we've been talking about tonight. Or if you can't come along, but you'd like to be further equipped in sharing the good news and discipling others, I'd really encourage you to pick up a copy of Organic Outreach for Ordinary People. It's like 15 bucks, I think, um, at the moment online. Um, and it's a great practical resource that gives you ways to engage in God's plan in your day-to-day -day life. As a staff team, we just finished the, um, the version of this that's geared towards church leaders, and a lot of the way training is built on these concepts. So pick up a copy if you can. If you can't come to the way training, this is another way to get on board. Um, and if you are coming to the way training, then you'll receive a copy of this in the near future, so you'll be getting one anyway. But you know, because of the good news of Jesus, we are part of the plan. And so for that reason, we make that good news known. And the plan is a big one reaching all the way into eternity and the heavenly realms when we engage with it. But practically, it's far simpler than it sounds. And so I would encourage you to engage with eternity by simply building relationships with people in your lives who don't know Jesus. It's just one of the ways that we engage in making the wisdom of God known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. But it's the one that Paul focuses on and makes his purpose um, in this profound side bit that we've looked at tonight. So let's focus on it ourselves. It's one of the ways that we achieve our dream at Crossroads to be a community of people fully committed to following Jesus, actively sharing his love and serving others. That's who we want to be. And that's who we can be because God has made a way through Jesus to be a part of his plan. And so we see ourselves living it out like that. And if you are keen to be a part of the plan, but you don't know Jesus as your Savior yet, let me just take a moment to tell you about Him. You see, God came to us, to earth, in the form of a man called Jesus. He saw that the world wasn't as it should be. He saw the pain. He saw the hurting. He saw the injustice. And He cared so deeply for us that He came down to earth to be amongst us. 
to teach us, to heal the sick, but to primarily make a way for us back to God. You see, the world wasn't as it should be because God gave us a choice and we chose to do things our own way, which didn't go well. But God had a plan to bring us back to Him. Jesus would come to the earth. He would live a perfect life. He would live without sin. And the reason we die is because of sin. So how could someone die who has never sinned? They wouldn't be able to, right? Or at least they wouldn't be able to stay dead. And so that's exactly what happened to Jesus. Religious people of his day put him to de- had him put to death because they didn't like his revolutionary teachings. But Jesus had never sinned, so he had never done what is necessary to die. He had never done what is necessary, what is the cause for death. So death could not be final for him. And so he rose again, defeating death. So when we die, sin doesn't have a say as to into what happens to us. It's up to Jesus. And when we believe he died for us, we get to be with him for eternity and we get to live. But he leaves that choice up to us. And so tonight, if you are ready to make that choice and be a follower of Jesus, all you have to do is this. All you have to do is declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. You can do that tonight. And man, if you do, come find me down after the service or during worship because I'd be so keen to celebrate that with you. I'd be so keen to pray with you, get support around you for this journey because it is a big one, but it's an exciting one. It's a great decision to make. And so now we're going to take some time to worship. We're going to take some time to praise and have some time to to do that now, to respond to God and, and engage in worship and make God's wisdom known to the heavenly realms. And we can do that by approaching God in freedom and in confidence. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, let's use this opportunity to prepare ourselves to engage in God's plan in the week to come and share the good news of Jesus that we've come to know. The good news of Jesus that I've just described for us. It's so beautiful. It's so profound. It's so life-changing. We've got to tell people about it. But would you just stand with me as I pray and we get ready to, to sing praises. Jesus, we're so grateful for your good news. We're so grateful that you died for us. We're so grateful that you rose again so that we could be reconnected with you, so that we could be a part of your plan. So We're so thankful, Lord, that you want to use us. We know we haven't really done anything to deserve that, but you're just so gracious. So thank you for inviting us into your plan. Thank you that you make so many ways for us to be a part of your plan, that sharing your love with others is is one of the main ways in sharing your, your good news. But we can also just be, just come and be with you, come and worship you, come and praise you, and we're engaging in your plan when we do that too. And so we're so grateful for all the opportunities throughout our life to be a part of your plan. Lord, I just pray if there's anybody here tonight who uh, doesn't know you as a Savior yet, that tonight might be that night that they would come to know you. We just ask that you would move in this place, that you'd be working on hearts, that you'd be speaking to people, and uh, yeah, people come to know you. Pray for those, Lord, who maybe you've got something specific in mind for where they might go and share the gospel and where they might do that. Maybe it's in missions. Just pray that you'd be speaking tonight and and, um, just working through this moment. But we're so grateful for your word, Lord. We're so grateful for the encouragement that it is to us and just a reminder to just keep on going. And just that, yeah, our life is so much more than the here and now. It's eternal, reaches far beyond, Lord, into the heavenly realms. And man, what a privilege and honor it is to be a part of that plan. So we love you, Lord. We're here to praise you. We're so grateful and we're so thankful for your love for us. We pray these things in your name.
Thanks for listening to the Crossroads Church Podcast. If you'd like any more information on our church, how to give, or maybe after today's message you'd like to talk to someone, you can find out everything you need to know on our website, which is crossroads.co.nz. Make sure you click subscribe on this podcast so you don't miss out on new content. Thanks for stopping by.